Welcome to Between Sundays. I, Tyler, take you, friend of the pod, till death do us part. Today we're talking about marriage. Barry's here to crack the household codes of his sermon last weekend, but before we submit to one another, now that they've died to themselves after winning the race to the bottom, let's delight our favorite co-hosts, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Good day. Guys, this is like the latest we've ever done the pod Oh man! in a day, and it's the worst possible day we could possibly do pod because... From the moment I woke up this morning to the moment right now, I've, I've been in a meeting with someone. And yes. Here yeah. we are. And that yeah. someone is me. Yeah. <laughs> Barry and I have been <laughs> together all day. Yes. Uh, and are, are you guys going home after this? No. I am. I will be here till about 10 tonight. Yeah, see? Oof. It's friends just of the one pod. of those So got we got to summon the energy. for the, the friends of the pod deserve our best, so we're going to give them the, our best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's do this, guys. All right? So uh, what's new? What's happening? What's new? Well, um, (laughs) I just told you guys this briefly right before we started, but uh, we are, I'm going to be going home to likely seven new rabbits, foster rabbits in our home because we are, we are taking in uh, another foster uh, mama who's nine months old with her six brand new baby bunnies that were born yesterday. When when does it stop guys? Like don't you already have like seven, seven rabbits in your house? It stops when everybody starts spaying and neutering their, their, their <laughs> domestic rabbits, stops letting them go in the wild, and starts actually caring for them like, no, I mean like, uh, like appropriate. Oh, yeah. Is the puppy, does it actually stop for us? Yeah. Is the puppy ready for this? Is the puppy ready no. for... No, it's not. I, it, but it's like... So the situation apparently is that there's this... Uh, I don't know. So this woman somewhere who thought she was doing a good deed by helping the, these, uh, I think, like six rabbits that was her own litter that someone was trying to get rid of and so she was like well you can't get rid of them and you can't take them to the shelter or whatever so i'll take them in she took them in but after nine months she never got them spayed or neutered and so these bunnies these siblings are now ha- the four of the girls all got pregnant so there are now four pregnant bunnies and they're all giving birth right now because she didn't separate the boys and the girls and so are you kidding me oh, that that's just homes. science so, man you got to separate the boys from the girls it, yeah you do <laughs> so anyway we're gonna take in one of these uh, litters and it's just hard when you're like we've been the, the last litter that we had like they've all been getting adopted the the last two are with us and so we only have two foster bunnies and they're bonded they're sharing the same like pen and it's so hard to hear that there's oh there's four new litters and we've got a, a whole room dedicated to bunnies why wouldn't we take them so we're back Maybe at sometimes it, guys, you need a break. third third baby litter so so I don't again know. i feel like we we always need to keep a running tally yeah of how what many we, where are we at how many bunnies you'll have in your home and how many just creatures in general chickens so the 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 total number of of animals in our household in our homestead will be two adopted rabbits uh seven eight nine foster rabbits one puppy and six Believe chickens God. i can't do math that quickly so uh a lot that's is a the lot. answer that's a lot so then my other question is like the og humphrey right yeah like how how does he handle all this like in he's been on a he's been on a journey I mean, like, I know that you keep the foster buns in a separate room, but does he notice yeah. that they're there? Does it bother him? How does we, this affect you know, they, him? Is he flopping out? He's in the valley of bewilderment. <laughs> he is. He's in the land between. He is, uh, he, like, he started, I mean, he was just our bunny, just, like, just Humphrey and his mom and dad for several months, and it was it was awesome. It was amazing. He had the room of the, the house. He was incredible. Perfect litter box habits. It was amazing. And then we brought in the first foster and it's just been downhill for the, from then until he brought, until we brought Rue into his life and he met Rue and he fell deeply in love. And she's just been taking him on this adventure of self-discovery. <laughs> uh, he used to be afraid of walking on uh, hard surfaces and she wasn't. And so he's like been walking around the house singing like, you make me brave to Rue and like learning about hardwood floors and, uh, Goodness. But now, like, I love now, that they're singing worship they, songs to each yeah. other. To each yeah. other, yeah. Other bunnies, they don't. Beautiful don't picture they, of man. Uh, now, like, we've got the puppy, and we keep them separated. But we've been slowly introducing her to them, and she's she's learning how to be gentle. I, t- I talked about that in the past, mm-hmm. and. 
but anyway, all that to say, hum, like Rue's like totally cool. She's just like, oh, hey, look at this new creature. Let's just be friends. And Humphrey's in like a living hell where every time this puppy comes around, he's like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to die. Says, and so <laughs> she's teaching him even more how to be a brave, a brave young man. So. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. Oh, Humphrey so they arrived is, today. Uh, when do they Sorry, get here? I didn't. Uh, maybe today, maybe this afternoon. So I know the, it's crazy. The beds are made. We're all, we got enough hay. Yep. yep. We got, yep. Well, no, I have to stop and get hay on the way home until we order more from small pet select who we are now keeping yeah. in business. <laughs> so, wow. Well, I'm proud How of you, you guys. guys that, uh, <laughs> usually when I say I like, cause I remember you guys being like, all right, after this litter, like we might need to take a little break and. We I did. feel like this break was every having time. only two foster buns for a couple of weeks. That was our when break. When I say I need a break from something, that's code for like, never do this to me again. <laughs> so I'm proud of you guys staying in it. Well, hey, it's marriage, man. We got yeah, to right. stay true to our purpose as a couple. So here we are. Marin, what's new with you? Uh, let's see. Kids went back to in person school this week. That is Ooh. the big news in the Gaffrey household. I don't know what sound effect you just. So that was uh, Hamilton Hamilton. Southeastern. Yeah, I did. (laughs) You'll have to listen to see what it was. Yeah, my (laughs) sister's high and they both are back in that part-time kind of hybrid schedule right now. So a little bit of a rude awakening for them to get that. Uh, They were waiting for the bus at, I think, 6.40 a.m., on Monday, oh. and it's pit black. It's when like my kids life go to comes at you fast, Jaden. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so they're they're adjusting, and we're all adjusting. It's yeah. just one more week of adjusting, and we'll see what happens. From and here. Uh, what grades are they in? Is Jaden a junior? He is. It's he it's is. college season. We got to start picking some colleges. College visits. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next has step. He thought, has, he, has he ever even mentioned it, Marin? Is it even on his radar? Not. I mean, yes, he has. And no, he hasn't. I, I Like many kids his age, he's still trying to figure it out. He has mentioned um, names of schools that he's, you know, considered going to. But I don't think he quite understands um, the rigorous <laughs> academic requirements for being accepted into some of these Come on. schools. I don't think he quite yeah. understands. And yeah. I don't think the school and you, and you respond with, uh, I don't think so they understand that this kid is a prodigy. Get yeah, him in a drum yeah. set. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to get him the, I'm a prodigy scholarship. That's like a full ride to somewhere. Hey, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. No, but it's it's good. Both kids um, back in school. Like I said, that's it. That's it. Good. That's it. That's what's going on with us. What about you? Well, uh, this weekend we are officially going camping for the first time as a family. We've <laughs> I I don't think I've talked about this on the I'm show. In, I'm impressed. You talked about camping in your backyard oh and having it be a total failure. Well, have yeah. I talked about that on the show? Yes. You did. Yeah. You okay. told us the story. Just the first time. You didn't talk so about the second time. So we've tried this twice. Think. Milo and I have tried this twice. We put the tent up <laughs> in the backyard and both times has ended in less than 41 minutes. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what time, like I could put him in the tent at 6 PM and be like, all right, we're going to spend like three hours just like hanging in the tent and then you're going to go to bed. No, doesn't work. Or I could put him in super late, so I hope that he's tired and he go to bed right away. No, does not work. Last time he was in the tent, which was last weekend, it lasted a little bit longer than the first time, but he goes, it's boring out here. I'm like, buddy, <laughs> this is like my dream, like camping with my son. What, what do you mean this is boring? So we had to go back into his room, and but we are we are leaving the premises and we're taking our tent with us and we're taking the baby and the three-year-old and oh we're going goodness. with my in-laws, Lauren's parents, camping. And you're, you're doing tent camping. You're tent not camping. even using like a, a trailer or no. anything. Wow. Tent camping. Wow. We're bringing the tent. We're buying him a Spider-Man sleeping bag. So <laughs> I'm sure hijinks will ensue this weekend and maybe we'll make an early trip home. Who knows? But we're going to at least go for it. <laughs> it. The campgrounds that we're going to. Well, I don't know. Like, have you, have you guys tried camping in the last seven months no um it's it's hard to find a place is it really yeah because of covid and just out and about yeah uh 
so we had, we had, we we did want to find one that was like included like electricity because mm-hmm. the baby is going to be there and got to have that sound machine. Yeah, you got to that's it. That's 100% <laughs> the reason. So, we're going to drive like eh, two and a half hours so that yeah. we can have the sound machine in the tent um, overnight. So that's what we're doing. Um, we're bringing when bikes. When are you doing this? We're doing Saturday, Saturday I night. I cannot wait till next <laughs> Monday. I need to know how this yeah. goes. We're all four sleeping in the same tent. It's going to be a wild ride. So that's what's up with me. Um, I, 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 I am, I remain hopeful. Like each time the tent, he, every time, every morning he wakes up in his bed and he's like, should we sleep in the tent tonight? I'm like, yes, we should. And so we go out there and it is a utter failure, but it's going to keep trying. I remain hopeful. Keep trying. It'll probably be different with like the whole family there and not just having your house like 20 feet away. Yeah. That's, like, that's my hope. Yeah. There it's is like, buddy, no option. We're two and a half hours yeah, away. Buddy, you have you to do this. To yeah good for you and good for lauren i mean to me i know that people camp all the time but to me that is like the most adventurous thing like wow she's taking the baby (laughs) yeah camping yeah you hear that jed i'm doing some physical stuff with my life (laughs) (laughs) going camping and with your family yeah wow so that's what's new with us uh we're we're doing that we lauren and i have only been camping together one time one other time and uh, it was a success. We enjoyed it, but she's not. She's she's not a camper. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, Jed sure. and I have been camping never. <laughs> <laughs> not one time. Not not your uh, not your jam. No. That was Barry's uh, fifth principle for a godly marriage. Camping. Go camping. Camping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, speaking of godly marriages, Barry, you smoke <laughs> yeah. week three. Of our yeah. current sermon series, if you only knew, uh, where mm-hmm. we're focusing on different milestones that you go through or people go through in their lives. First week we focused on caring for aging parents. Second week we care we focused on parenting uh, adults as children, and uh, this week we're focusing on being married. Not necessarily yeah. getting married, but being married uh, and and marriage. And so, yeah, you gave the sermon this past week. Do you mind sharing uh, if anybody's miss has not yet listened to it? What the what the big idea or what you hope to communicate uh, through your sermon this past weekend? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I pointed it out. I think in one or maybe two of my messages, I pointed out the fact that yeah, we, we're talking about turning points, which makes it seem like we're just talking about like oh maybe your first year of marriage, but really like every single day of a marriage is a turning point in a sense. It is a, every single day of a marriage is like a year of marriage. Is that what you mean? (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm just saying something else. I'm just saying there are plenty of transitions in marriage and it's not just a a one-time thing. And then you're married and everything's just what normal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was, um, we were, we were working through Ephesians five and six, which is, uh, Paul is using the format of a household code to talk about like, how are we supposed to live with one another, uh, in this world? And so when he talks about husbands and wives, he uh, essentially, he says to the wives, look, you got to submit to your husband. Don't just try to go it alone. Um, you know, you, you can't do that. But the husbands, he basically says, look, you need to die to yourself. You've got all the power. You've got all the strength. You need to love your wife the way that Christ loves the church. You need to love her with self-giving love and self-sacrificial love and lower yourself. Um, and so basically what I was saying is that Paul was essentially describing marriage in using his favorite, uh, way of thinking, you know, of a self-sacrificial Christ-like agape love, uh, And so I basically summed it up by saying, look, a godly marriage is a race to the bottom where both people in the, in both couples are, or both individuals are working to outdo one another in love and self and surrender and lifting the other up and, um, essentially continuing to, to work their way down and down and down and to the point where they are looking more and more like Jesus and their love for one another. And then I gave some, some practical, um, ways of thinking about what that might look like in our modern marriages today. And, and one of those was kind of to everybody, how you can support and lift up marriages around Mm. you. So that was it. Well, and I, I had lunch with a friend who's not married right after service. And she sat with Mm. my family while we listened to the message. And she said, really all four of the things that you shared 
apply to everyone, not just yeah. to married people. That really isn't isn't the name of the game as it pertains to self-giving love. It It's just a race to the bottom for everyone mm. that that applies to mm. marriages as well as everybody else. So totally agree. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. I, I feel like with all of these, you know, parenting adult children, parent or uh, what is it? A- caring for aging parents. Each one of these little life snapshots, synopses that we've given, it, it could be easy to not identify with them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as my friend pointed out, even as a single person in this sermon about marriage, that no, this this applies to all of us. Yeah, yeah I think we've done a good a job. I think we've done there. a good job of that each week where it's like we're talking about caring for aging parents. But if you're the aging parent, this has something to do with you. Like it's not just for the person that doing the thing. It, there's a role to play for everyone. And this is this is no exception. I agree. Right. Or if you're Jaden and your parents are young and robust hip. and beautiful and hip and cool, <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with you. But yeah, maybe someday if I age, you'll know you'll know how to care for me. Shots young fired to Jaden again, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Jaden and his robust parents. <laughs> robust, yeah. Uh, Barry, when you started the sermon um, reading in Ephesians about, you know, wives submit to your husbands stuff, I had I had like a visceral negative reaction. Mm, and sure. I've seen personally up, up close like friends who have been damaged by this. And you addressed it. Um, and I was, I was like borderline, like, oh man, are we, is great. Are we talking about this now? And, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really, really proud of how you changed the narrative of that, uh, of what, what I, um, assumed we would say. And I mm-hmm. guess my reaction or my, um, my approach to things like that, these, these controversial scriptures, um, I probably would have just been like, eh, let's veer away from that. But we, you addressed it head on. You're like, this is super important to talk about because I know that this has been yeah. a problem. Um, Why did you feel it was so important to start? I mean, you started the sermon that way. So why did you think it was so important to do that? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I mean, scripture says it, the Bible says it, we have to wrestle with it. We can't just, you know, ignore parts of scripture because they don't necessarily make us feel comfortable. Well, I do that all the time. Um, I, I know, but, but <laughs> I, just it, it, to me, well, maybe, okay, here's, that's actually, this is a bigger question. We probably don't need to get all the way into this, but just when it comes to me and my approach to scripture, it may not, you may not think this, but I'm a very skeptical person. I'm very skeptical. I question everything and I need to, you need to convince me of everything before I'm going to say that I believe it or but, but say that I am going to give my life to it or that I'm just going to take it. I don't take things at face value. I'm going to question it. Prove it to me is kind of my mentality. And so to be a pastor who takes the scripture and says, you know, with a skeptical mindset, mm-hmm. I don't want to just take things and say, well, it says it's, it, you know, Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Like, I want to know why would this be the case? Why would God, Mm. why would God's spirit breathe through the apostle Paul to say these words? And, and that's, it's another reason why I'm always going to be talking about the world behind the text and the world Mm. of the text and the world in front of the text. Cause I think it's far too simple to just take, take something written 2000 years ago, rip it out of context, apply it to our world and just assume that that somehow is what God intends when, when in reality, there's much more depth to it. And so for me, when I, when I come across a passage like this, that I'm uncomfortable with, my first reaction is, is probably the same as yours, Tyler. I probably recoil like, Oh, I just, I I think of all the ways that that has been, that, that phrase wives submit to your husband has been used to abuse people or to take advantage of people or, and, and, and immediately I'm like, I just don't even want to go there. But then I realize, wait, like this is in here for a reason. Mm -hmm. What could that, what could that be? And, and so ultimately, as I talked about sort of the world behind the text in my, my takeaway is that really what this is about was a radical redefinition of love on the husband's part. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole passage was about. Um, and and it, it's crazy to me that we make wives submit to your husbands the big takeaway from this passage because in his time, what he was saying to wives, nobody would have batted an eye. It would have been like, okay, well, yeah, sure. Of course, that's how it should be. But then he goes on this whole thing about husbands giving their lives for their wives. And it would have been, I mean, of the whole household code, in my opinion, it's the most shocking 
radical thing that he says, uh, I mean, it doesn't even register for us. Cause we're like, we're like, well, of course husbands should be the masters and yeah. okay. Love your wives, be nice to them. But like what he's actually saying is really, really controversial and, and radical. And so, so what I said in the message, which I, I believe is okay. Look, there are some who believe that when you see Paul talking about marriage and, and as he does in other places as well, or Peter, that they are pointing to a, a universal standard where in all marriages, in all times, in all places, there is an order or there is a, a structure in, in marriages. And I, like I mentioned in the message, that is totally worthy of a much longer conversation uh, about whether there are norms that we should be adhering to that would lead to healthier marriages. Some people believe that very strongly and they would, they would argue that, you know, till they're blue in the face. Um, but, but what I acknowledge is, look, we just as the way that our culture is right now, the cultural norms are different than they were in the ancient Near East. They're, they're different than they were 60 years ago. They're very different. So setting aside for now the question of what the proper or ideal roles in marriage are supposed to be based on gender. Yeah. What is actually what what is this passage actually calling us to in all marriages at all times for all spouses, for every husband, for every wife? What is it actually calling us to? And and so that's what I wanted us to focus mm. on, the posture of every couple that is representing Christ in their marriage. I go through this all the time on this show where it's like I grew up hearing one thing mm-hmm. in the church and then I show up to Grace and I hear a sermon like this. And I'm like, wait a minute, there isn't a Greek word for that. Or here's what it means in the Greek in this context. And here's the world behind the text. And I'm like, you know, that way that makes a lot more sense to the God that I believe in uh, or know. So my question always is like, why did it take me 37 years to hear a message like this? Like, why, why does it take, why, why isn't this like the norm? Why, why aren't we all talking about it this way? Why, why does it, why is it happening to where, uh, the churches use this as a sword, this verse and this, this, mm-hmm. you know, why, why, why is that happening? Why is it? Cause it's still happening. It's not like, it's not like, uh, everybody knows that that's not radical or that is radical. That right. would have been radical. Uh, the husband part would have been radical, the radical part, not the, not the wife. But like, I feel like I go through this all the time where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is way more radical than how I'm reading it. How come it took me this long to figure that out? Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. I can't answer that without sounding kind of mean. So I'll try not to sound <laughs> mean. <laughs> I'm feeling but aggressive. what I appreciate, Barry, is that you, Tim, Amy, uh, your father before you, you do your due diligence to do that world behind the text studying to give us a better yeah. idea of what it says because you just quoted like the cliche term of my youth. The Bible says it, I believe it. Yeah. You know, it's way yeah. easier just to take something at face value and hold up your Bible and teach your mm-hmm. people that, well, it says it, so it, and we take it at face value. I is that think, it? Is it? I think that's why I question things. And I think that that might be why, why Barry questions things. I think that might be a byproduct of our generation growing up in the church that that did just kind of blanket say, yeah. the Bible says it, I believe it, and mm-hmm. then that's good enough for me or, or whatever. And I, yeah. I know that there were, I can point to points in my life where I did the little head tilt, even as a child, saying but why really mm-hmm. how come mm-hmm. why and so that curiosity did not cause me to throw the bible out altogether it caused me to dive sure. deeper <laughs> to dive yeah. deeper because it is there for a reason tim um always points out about how expensive scrolls were Mm-hmm. And if you were going to choose to write something on one of these scrolls, it had to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't just yeah. like waste your words. Every square inch of that scroll was used to communicate right. something that mattered. So it's in there for a reason. It matters. But give me the whole story of how this applied in in that era to those people and how yeah. what was the heart of that message how does that apply to me do i wear a head covering when i come to church yeah. it's in there it was that right. was that for that time period and for those people is that for me now we have to do our due diligence to look at the world behind the text if we're really going to rightly divide the word of god so i thank yeah. you 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way we talk about it at Grace is these three worlds, the three worlds of the text behind of and in front of. But I think what I was raised, I mean, another way of saying what you just said, Marin, is I was raised that there are two worlds. There's the text and there's my world. Right. Like those are the only two right, things. Right, right. And so it's as if the text is in a vacuum. It, and, and nobody, I mean, I, I went to, you know, I went to Bible school where they were generally, they were open to the idea that we have to understand the original author's intent, but still they, they tended to treat. And, and in my upbringing, people tended to treat the Bible as if God had gripped the, the finger of the author right. and, and just written words directly from the mouth of God. And mm-hmm. so every word was, it's like, forget the humans. They were, all they were was just like a pen in God's hand. When, when I, I think what we really are starting to, to kind of come to grips with it, Grace, is that they were human authors that the spirit was breathing through, mm-hmm. but to ignore their world, to ignore their culture, to ignore their mentality, to ignore their intentions for writing the things that we have, like that we do, we do damage to the text. Mm-hmm. We miss the whole world in which the text was, was brought about, which frankly, it is harder. It's more work mm-hmm. to to do the due diligence, as you said, it's, it's more work to, to dig into the ancient world. And frankly, it leads to a lot more sometimes confusion because we don't know ancient cultures as well. We don't have, uh, you know, records of everything that was going on in the ancient world. We are having to piece it together on scant archeological evidence. And that's how we develop a sense of what the world was like. But if we don't do that work, mm-hmm. then, then what we're reading is not, is not accurate. It's just not what, what really is. So, um, yeah, we could talk about this for ages, but that's, that's the, the mentality going into this passage, which I think is why we're able to have something of an aha moment reading it where it does, where we may start with that sense, but come out the other side feeling like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the most, I don't know, like direct or called out. I felt called out like the most like direct or called out sermons that I've seen you preach. Like, and maybe I've, I'm just not, it's just like recency bias. You're just not a good husband. No, maybe it's just recency (laughs) bias where it's like when you started going through like, uh, the principles of, or right before that you were like, husband's if you're reading this and you feel this way, maybe you need to treat your wife different or like stop abusing and all you like wives. This is what this means for you. If you're sitting here and you feel this way, this is probably what this means. And it's, and for the first, like for the first time in a while that I can remember, I felt like, Oh, he's talking like, he's talking to me. He's like pointing his finger mm-hmm. at me. And I really appreciated that because I think a lot of times it's easy to be like, if this is, you know, like we're beating around the bush a little bit. We're dancing around like how we all ought to act and how maybe some of us don't or some of us do, but you're like, you weren't pointing fingers at specific people, but those people are sitting in the room and those people are watching online and I'm sitting here and I need to be a better husband and you're talking to me, you know, and I yeah. really appreciated that. Yeah. But it's, I felt that way too. So I, hmm. I, I think because you addressed husbands and wives in yeah. equal measure, there were parts of that message that made me say, uh Oh Yeah. This is mm. going to be really convicting. <laughs> <laughs> Jed's like giving you the nudge, the elbow. <laughs> I did hear of, of a couple couples who were like either talking during the sermon to each other, nudging each other or yeah. actually texting each other as the, they might've been in different spots, but they were both watching it. Like, how do you think I do about this one? Yeah. Do I do this one? Well, and Oh, at least yeah. they're going that way instead of being like, you really got to work on number three. Okay. Oh, I, I did yeah. hear one, one, member of a couple say to uh his wife you know you really should listen to this message this is this is a really good one for you to hear (laughs) i heard that um jed and i went out for dinner we went out for dinner sunday night with another uh couple from grace and one had seen the sermon and the other hadn't because they were volunteering in childcare. um and i could just see them like deferring to one another even in like oh I'm sorry I interrupted you you were talking what were you saying just like the little things that happen in conversation and I just kept saying swim to the bottom y'all it's a race to the bottom (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny let's talk about that term for a minute because race to the bottom Barry you've 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 said it for a while you you bring it up a lot. It's, it's like the self giving love. It's like race to the bottom yeah. is something we yeah. is like becoming part it, of our. It makes sense to me, but maybe it doesn't make no, sense. No, it to totally others, makes but. sense. But 
Um, I think, I think whenever we say it, we need to continue to define it because a race to the bottom is starting to feel like horizontal gravity where it's like, <laughs> right. A phrase that we, we use, use that it doesn't and actually mean anything. I don't know if anybody knows what it means. Like, do I need to lay down horizontal gravity? What, what's happening here? Uh, <laughs> so I feel like we need community member to know what that one means. The horizontal. I, I, I'm gravity. in covenant community and I still don't know what that means. <laughs> horizontal gravity. What does that mean? Um, but like, uh, we always got to define it. So can we spend just a minute defining like what race to the bottom means? Yeah. What do you guys think it means? Well, I always get the picture of finding Nemo in my head Hmm. and I know that that's not what it means, but it's a little (laughs) bit what it means, but that's what happens every time I hear that phrase. Like it's a race to the bottom. I just hear swim down, swim down. Oh yeah. 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 Break describe free the from scene. the net. I'm sure there's, a, there's probably a few people who haven't seen it. Can you describe what well, happens? Well, isn't in it the... like all these fish get caught in a net and they're trying yeah. to like break free and they realize that if they all choose to swim in the same direction, they can like capsize the boat, overcome and, the yeah, yeah overcome yeah, yeah. The, the the net that they're trapped in. Swim down. Yeah. So yeah. I know that I'm just that's saying exactly that's exactly right. I've seen the Finding Nemo <laughs> dozens of times in the last six. No, months. so a race to the bottom <laughs> is like who can outserve, you know. I yeah. want to serve Jed. Jed wants to serve me. Who can out humble? Mm-hmm. I want to be humble to Jed. Jed wants to be humble to me. And ideally, in a perfect world, that just is the greatest relationship ever heard of, ever known right. for man. Us both just right. out serving one another on a daily mm-hmm. basis, out delighting yeah. one another on a daily yeah. basis. So when you race, yeah. when you when you win the race to the bottom, you get a trophy that says you are the most humble. And therefore, right. the most highly exalted. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really that's how exactly how I think of it, Marin. It's it's the. I mean, it's of course it breaks apart because we're all human and we aren't we aren't Jesus in the sense that we're we're able. He he is going to always be the one that's like tearing away on the marathon. It's going to be done in like an hour hour and a half before anyone else. But like we're all racing to outdo one another in love. I mean, that's actually, um, it's a, a scripture verse and I'm, I'm missing the reference, but it, uh, I think Paul says it in one of his, or maybe it's Hebrews, um, outdo one another in love and affection. Mm-hmm. It's like, try to be the best at being the, the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's this, mm-hmm. um, to me, it's I, I, well, like, even with one of the, one of the, uh, principles I put up was that whole thing of try to delight your spouse. Don't just try to, okay, we'll, avoid go, we'll go through them. the principles next. We'll go through them. But, but, but just as a, as a, to use that as an example, um, the reason that the race to the bottom is such a, why it would be even possible, you know, obviously if you're the only one who's racing to the bottom and you're just by yourself going lower and lower and lower and lower, it doesn't feel the same. Cause it's like, I'm constantly pouring out for their delight and I'm just spending myself for them, which right. doesn't feel right. But if you imagine, uh, two people who all their primary focus is how can I delight my spouse? They're thinking that about you. You're thinking that about them. Like yeah. suddenly your giving of yourself doesn't actually, doesn't actually cost you because if they're constantly delighting you, well, guess what? You're delighted, you know, constantly <laughs> yeah, as yeah. you are delighting them and they're delighted constantly. So I know it's idealistic, but it is. really it's, it's more than just marriage. It's the church. Yeah. If we are all, we've talked about this on the pod several times, but if we are all giving of ourselves over and over again for one another, then, then in theory, it means that you are having your needs met. You are having your joy uh, built. You are having your life uh, cared for by others in the community, even as you are caring for theirs and it's like it is utopian and yet it's also exactly what comes out of the mouth of Jesus and what comes out of the mouth of his followers and the apostles again and again and again and because it's utopian I want to ask do you guys know couples that exemplify this like can you think of a real time example of a couple that's doing this well yeah I can I mean when when you finished principle number four I mean I know I know couples that are doing all four, at least mm. to my face. What do I know about what's going on? You yeah. know, um, but I, it, it's, it's few and far between. Let's put it that way. Like sure, I can count it on one finger. Okay. But so at least we know it can be done and it yeah. isn't just like some utopian ideal that's unattainable. We, right. it, we've seen that it can be done. Well, when Tim Ayers spoke about, I don't know what his 
topic was a couple years ago where he said yes. Jennifer yes. and I have they never had fight. a fight. <laughs> I was like, yes. What? <laughs> I remember that podcast very well. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's go through the principles. You gave four principles sure. of a, uh, that would define a godly marriage. Um, principle number one, always respect and honor your spouse, especially in public. Um, and my question here is what's the difference between dishonoring your spouse, especially in public and like sending texts to your friends of Jed having a license plate that says, who's your daddy? No, it was yo daddy. Get <laughs> oh, yo daddy. And yeah. that was yo hilarious. Daddy. Which like, is that dishonoring or is that just like, hilarious. I can't stop well, doing stuff question. like that. Like he, I, I need to do, I need to do that. I mean, was your, was your intent? <laughs> to demean He's or to belittle. Laughing. Look, it's hilarious. That's my favorite story ever. Marin, just no no words. Just send me a text picture and a Jed's <laughs> license plate that says, Yo Daddy. Which, by the way, uh, has been swapped out. <laughs> okay, all right. That's good to know. Yeah, that's no, that, know. that license uh, plate lasted all of two days. Yeah, like, and that, that was, that was yeah. like four days after he returned a twerking Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a so, lot of funny stories to share. So what's the difference between like talking trash? Because that, that's what you used. Those are the words you yeah. used. Like, like we should not talk trash about our spouses. Like what's the difference between like what's the line? What's the difference between that and like laughing at one of our spouses yeah. at their expense, but they're in on the joke? I think, yeah. well, you know your spouse well enough to know if they're really going to be hurt and offended by yep. this. Or if we're, you know... Tyler, your wife and I are really good friends. You and Jed are friends. We yeah. we've hung out together, and so it feels like all of us are like laughing together. Yeah, we get it. And, we all get and it, we're yeah. a, and we still talk yeah. about it to this day because it's funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's not like well, me saying like Tyler, oh my gosh, Jed is such a jerk, and I just need you to know, okay, you know that he's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been times where, well, I, I've seen plenty of you've, we've all had that experience where you're out with, and there's another couple or whatever. And one of them decides to start airing their dirty laundry in, in public because they didn't ever have the conversation themselves. And so they start like saying something like, well, she always, she always leaves yeah. the toilet seat down or I don't know, whatever, <laughs> something, or she's always leaving all the lights on in the house. Like, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that. I don't think that that's actually funny. I think you're just trying to deal with something that you never actually talked about with your spouse. Mm. You know, that's like, that's one example of crossing the line. But then there's other times where even, even innocently, you may accidentally disrespect or dishonor your spouse. Like, like there was this, this one time that Liv totally innocently was just like teasing me about something with other people. Most of the time she and I tease each other all the time. Like when we're with her family, we'll, we'll just relentlessly mock each other because we know it's mm -hmm. a safe place. We know the spirit of the other person. We know we're actually like, we're just having a good time and laughing, but there have been times when we've, we've accidentally said something. Liv made a joke uh, a couple months ago and it, and it actually hurt me and made me feel insecure and made me feel like, because she accidentally, without realizing it, pressed on a on a, an insecurity that I had. Mm. So we talked about it later, and she apologized and and you know said I I'm so sorry I didn't realize that was so. And so, you know, anytime that that type of thing comes up again, she now knows I don't do that because yeah. I don't bring that up because that's not something that he and it, it doesn't honor him. It actually makes him feel. Well, and that's and so, a very realistic yeah. picture of marriage because we're never going to go through all of life with anything a friendship a marriage, a family relationship. You'll yeah. never go through life, never, ever incidentally, you know, hurting somebody's feelings. Like right. it, it's, right. it's bound to happen. Um, and yeah, the way that she handled that seems like the best case scenario. You know, mm -hmm. once yeah. she realized that it was in any way damaging to you, she apologized for it. And yeah. now she knows that, that's not how that goes. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, another principle that I, I didn't put in there, but I would, I was thinking about putting in was something about like relentless authenticity because or honesty, like being able to, to genuinely speak. I, I kind of transformed it into the moving the heavy rocks thing, but being able to genuinely speak to one another about like, she could tell after that happened that mm -hmm. I was kind of moping a little bit. And she was like, Hey, what's, what's up? 
at that moment, it was this, it was like the que- the question in my mind was, do I go there or not? Mm-hmm. And we've gotten to the point where we trust each other enough to always go there. Now I'm sure there's probably a few instances where we don't, but like 99% of the time we just are honest with one another. And I don't know whether that's because we're just uniquely wired in that way or what, but like, that's a distinctive of our marriage. And so I was able to tell her, well, when you made that joke, like, that makes me feel like trash because I, because that makes me hits on this insecurity. And it reminds me of things that this person said to me many years ago and whatever. And so mm. I'm able to go there and then we can wrestle with it. And, she, and I can hear her heart. She's like, I did not intend for that. I'm so sorry. But I, and again, like I said, later on taking responsibility for her actions, she, she said like, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I, you know, I, not that I didn't, you know, you shouldn't be hurt by that. She said, I'm sorry that I hurt you. And we were able to, to work through it. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Principle number two, seek to delight your spouse. Don't just avoid hurting them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's when you showed the TikTok video, which big ups to uh, to you from the Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from what I hear, I accidentally, by showing that video, I accidentally tapped into a brand new trend, which is of people recording that exact type of thing where they get their, they do or, or give their significant other their favorite thing or things and then record their reactions. Apparently that is a brand new trend that I accidentally was on the very cutting edge of by showing that. So I'm very cool. That's what yeah, I'm trying to totally. say. I'm very hip. <laughs> <laughs> I would never, I didn't see that video. Uh, uh, my wife showed it to me as we were talking about the message and that's why I showed it. My so question here cool. <laughs> is what if the things that delight your spouse cost a lot of money because that video <laughs> it was like let's go shopping and let's drop money a ton you of money you know what tyler <clears throat> then you work hard to save the money oh my goodness so that a day like that can happen at least once a year that's what you do <laughs> yeah, once a year <laughs> at least or what yeah yeah i mean if it's yeah it's it, that's what the sacrifice is it's like if you two share all of your money then the only place that you're going to get that money is to take it out of things that you would buy for yourself or that you need for yourself. Like it's, that's how it's sacrificed, which yeah, it's, it's not easy, Just a- <laughs> but presumably <laughs> if you decide not to buy that Xbox because you want to treat your wife to something and she's thinking the Settle same down. way, then suddenly you're going to find out that she bought you an Xbox because she hey. saved from the things that she didn't want to, you know, it's like, I don't know. So <laughs> this is like a real, real time conversation we've been having because Xbox is about to come out. New one. Oh my goodness. Pre-order was oh, today. Yeah. And I have, I have some money set aside and, uh, she wants a new rug. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's such a perfect, it's a perfect example because it's like, you're like looking at this yeah, thing like, that's going to give you hours I've been waiting and for hours this. of entertainment. And then she texted me last night. She's like, baby just pooped on the rug. I'm like, ah, what are we going to do? So I got some money set aside. So am I supposed to buy a new rug with this or can I, you know, would it, would it lead to delight in your spouse? Would she be delighted at the new rug? She would be delighted at the new rug until dumb, dumb me like spills coffee on it. And then the delight is gone and we need a new rug. But I in see. the moment, so then, like, then you can just the argue and be end? like, well, when will they end? because rather than getting an Xbox, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, Tyler. You're going to have to search your heart on yeah. this one. These are so. the notes I make in, in church. Like, what about yeah. the Xbox? Yeah. All right. Now, if, the you, delight if, and the, <laughs> like, if you just secretly bought the rug that she, now hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast, but if you secretly bought <laughs> she the stopped rug. She stopped listening a long time that, ago. What's that? She stopped a she long stopped time ago. A long time ago. Okay. All right. Good. So if you <laughs> secretly bought the rug that she has been longing for, that she's been like eyeing and looking at, and you just like, it just showed up at the house and you're yeah. like, Hey babe, by the way, I got you this. And I, I decided not to get the Xbox. I got you this Would the amount of delight and cachet that you would gain with her. Would it be worth the extra six months or whatever that it would take for you to save back up to get the Xbox? That's the question you have to answer. And if you well, I cannot the disclose Xbox, how I how I it, did acquire this money. <laughs> if you bought the Xbox, would it turn into a boulder? Oh, and then Marin, don't come lifting, in here with this. Heavy lifting. Don't come do. in here with this because. Yeah, all right, all right. Also, I got it, guys. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, your wife is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I know that it's she also does, the she deserves things. a rug. That's for sure. It's also the little things that that hey, just delight her and bring her joy. Rug. 
It's a big, it's the <laughs> whole family the room. I came home the other day to a rise and roll donut. See, and I can do that. I, no problem. Like you, I was just as happy as if you would have bought me a new anything because that donut yeah, was I so did good. The, I yeah. did the Reese's, uh, Reese's uh, Steak and Shake the other night. Oh. I, yeah, I don't. I don't get it, but Marin, Liv is like that where literally any gift, <laughs> any gift is like I bought her a new rug. Like she's, <laughs> I, I, those, I, I use those candles <laughs> as an example in my message, right? Yeah. And she was genuinely delighted. Like she was so excited. She was, I showed her which ones they were after service and she was like squealing with excitement. Literally, mm-hmm. I don't, I do not understand awesome. whatsoever. And yet it works. And so like, okay, I know I've got to occasionally. And the other day I like, I came home from, from preaching or, or last weekend or whatever after hosting, I, and I picked up food on the way home and I got home without asking. And I was just like, Hey babe, I got you, I got you this food. Cause I knew you were working and maybe you hadn't gotten food. And she like, it was as if I had, I had bought her the moon. She was so excited. And I'm like, okay, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get this gift thing, but I'm just going to keep trying. Well, and you know? the video was cute you know, kind of just talking yeah. about shopping and stuff. But if, if Jed were to say to me, like, babe, I'm going to ask you about your day. And then I'm just going to look you in the eyes and listen to every word that comes out of your mouth. I'm going to ask follow up <laughs> questions about your day. So delighted. And then if he was like, oh, Mary's hey, calling her can, whole family out in this pod, man. Oh, hey, if Jed would just do this one thing. Pepper? Yeah. <laughs> you want me to get the water started for you? Okay. You're like, you'd, you'd cut that pepper for me? Oh, man. These stairs look dirty. I, I'm just oh, going to sweep my. them for you. <laughs> Delight me. Yeah. Oh, man. So I think, would you guys say uh, American culture, super easy to, to apply that mindset to your kids, not super easy to your spouse. Like it takes work with the spouse. Like when I go to Target and I'm like, I need some golf balls. I need to go buy some golf balls. And I mm-hmm. walk past the Disney Pixar cars section of Target. I'm like, oh man, Milo would love this thing. I'm going to totally not get what I want so I can get this for him because he would love it. Like that's a no brainer for me. I do that all the time, but doing it with the spouses, it takes, it takes more work. I don't know. I think you just brought something interesting to light it. I agree with you that maybe there's a, it's easier for your heart to do that for this tiny little piece of you. Like he's literally a reflection of your face. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost like buying something for your son is almost like buying something for you because you, (laughs) you get to see the joy on his face and you get to play with him or, or whatever, because he's, he's part of you. He's an an extension of you. I think if we could view our spouses Mm. as part of us, as an extension of us, it Mm. might lead more to, that feeling of ease, like, oh, it's so easy to spoil my husband because he's he's a part of me. Or, or even do unto others as you would have yeah. them do unto you, like, or love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, they can become an extension of who we are. That's good. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. All right, number three, principle number three of a godly marriage is to commit to doing the heavy lifting together. And this is where you yeah. use the stone illustration, but... Um, can you can you kind of expand on what that what that means? Yeah, I, I just I'm using an analogy which is not really from the passage, but it's just one that I think is apt. That that I, stuff comes between us. Like when, when you're married, just your life involves a lot of things that try to that put a wedge between the two of you. And I'm using the analogy of like a big heavy stone gets dropped right between you. The Xbox. Yeah. Or like your fridge stops working or you have a, a fight or your, your in-laws are being a pain. Like there's, it could be, or a kid is sick or your puppy is, is a puppy. Like it could be anything. It comes between you and you have a choice every single time that happens, whether to, deal with it and, and actually like get, do the heavy lifting to remove that stone or to just ignore it and, and put it off for another day. And the danger of putting it off, of course, is that every time a new stone gets added, you're building a wall and it doesn't take long before you can't see over that wall and, and removing the stones becomes a monumental task versus a daily chore, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. a chore is probably too small of a word, but, um, it takes effort. It takes intentionality on both your parts to say, no, we're going to deal with this together because that shouldn't, it shouldn't be between us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I use the example of like, uh, it's having that conversation before bed when all you want to do is just go to sleep, but you know, like you really do need to deal with it right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, I gave a whole list of examples, yeah. but it's, it's doing the heavy lifting. Um, maybe it's seeking counseling because you need help even knowing how to do the heavy lifting. That's what you know? I was thinking. I can't lift a boulder. Oh my goodness. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I need, I need help. I need tools that I don't possess. Um, mm-hmm. if I'm going to remove something that big from my yard, let's say, you know, I can't yeah. just go move yeah. it by myself. Really? Even if Jed and I were to like team lift, we still couldn't lift yeah. the boulder that's I've in the corner of the my yard. So he can do you'd have probably. to call in the specialist, you know, to come and help you with that job. And I think, I think people, people need to, to go there more often or be willing to seek help more often. Um, yeah. and, and maybe before things become boulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and it, it also doesn't have to be a professional. It can be your small group. It can yeah. be your family. But it's inviting others to help you lift a boulder of one of those boulders is something you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes humility because you've got to admit, wow, this thing is coming between us. And wow, this is, it feels embarrassing to admit that we're having this problem, but like you don't have to lift it alone. Yeah. 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 Recently, um, Lauren and I got into a multi-hour argument about, what Milo was and was not allowed to watch in our house. Ooh. And I wanted him to watch Garfield because I grew up watching Garfield and I was like, this is the best. And she was not about it. She was not into it. A lazy cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we got into it because, well, I I was like, he should be, I mean, this is not like inappropriate. He should be able to. And right. so we got into it and, um, about 20 minutes after we were done, I went, I was like cleaning the kitchen or something. And I was like, I know what I needed to say. I know what I need to go say to her. Uh, and it was like, am I going to choose to go say it? Which is like, here's why I didn't know it then, but now that I've thought about it here's why I did this, here's why I was talking like this. And it, it goes back into my past and like anxiety that I've had and insecurities that I've had in the past. But I remember thinking as I'm like putting dishes in the dishwasher, like I really, the, the right thing for me to do would be to go admit this to her mm. and say, I'm sorry, this is where it's coming from. It's, it's not the Garfield. It's much bigger. And I remember thinking that that's going to be like super humiliating or like super embarrassing. Huh. But that is, but that's the right thing to do. And so I ended up doing it, which is like the first time for everything like that. I, I that's, that, <laughs> that is not like a normal thing for me to, to have the, the, the uh, self-awareness enough to be like, this is why I was doing this thing. And I'm really yeah. sorry that it took so long yeah. for me to get here, but I'm here now. And so can we talk about this part? And, uh, that's when you said do the heavy lifting, like it was a multi-hour conversation or argument. And the heavy lifting on my part is like, I mean, you go back to principle number one, the respect and stuff. Like if I get the sense that I'm not being respected, like I go, that's, that's another trigger for me. And so if like, mm-hmm humiliation or embarrassment is a sign of disrespect in my, in my weird anxiety mind. And so the heavy lifting for me and for us was to be like, all right, here's why I was doing this. And her to be like, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't know that. Or I'm sorry that, you know, I talked to you that way or whatever. But, um, sometimes you don't never about Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> almost never. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, almost. There's a, a, a it's true. few times though that it is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So sometimes you may need to talk to other people and sometimes you, you, you just, you kind of know, you kind of know like, yeah, ah, I got to do this. I, this is the right thing to do. And sometimes you choose not to do it and that's where the wall starts building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the last one, the last principle lift up marriages around you. And this is kind of Barry, what you were just talking about. Like this can be your small group. This can be, uh, your family or whoever, like your friends. Um, and I think this is true. If we're willing to, if we're willing to do principle number three, Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're almost there to like inviting others into, yeah. Lift it with us. Like Mm -hmm. we're almost there. If we're willing to do, to do number three, um, people are, uh, almost invited into lifting us up. Um, but yeah. two examples you gave, call them out, call them out when they're not honoring each other and then pray for them consistently. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Or do something practical for them that like watching their kids or something like that. Now yeah. I'll admit this is the, of all the principles, this is the one I, I fleshed out the least and I kind of, yeah, I, could I think I kind of just ran, ran out, of, <laughs> ran out of uh, <laughs> space or time. But if I was really to kind of dig into it a little more, I think what it's all about is taking ownership in the success of other marriages. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what I mean by that is like, like root for the success of other marriages. Don't just be bystanders of other people's, you know, failures and insecurities and all that. Like look for ways to say, I want you to, to win this race to the bottom. I want you to both succeed and love each other and set an example. Um, and, and, if that was our mentality, if we had ownership, then I think that that would change how we approach the other marriages in our life. Cause we would want to look for ways to, yeah. to give them relief, to give them a, a break, to, to lift them up, to call them out, to do whatever is needed to, to help them yeah. you know, succeed. And, and I think that's one of the main reasons that we see such a high level of uh, divorce or marital unhealth in our, in our culture specifically is because there's such a deep individuality where everybody is just like on their own. And it, you know, it's, it's one of the big reasons why I think we, we really desperately need to bring intergenerational community back together in the church because we need one another. We can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I was, what I was trying to get at, or at least hint at there in that, in that principle. This made me wonder, um, we do, we do uh, baby dedications. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, parents bring their baby up or their kid up and they talk about themselves and the baby. And, but the second part where it's like, we are the church community that will commit to helping you raise this child. Like whether, mm-hmm. whether, whether you're an individual in the room and you're like extending your hand and you don't really know what you're doing or whatever. But like as a dad yeah, yeah. who's done that, I do think about that from time to time. I'm like, there are people who at one point in time said that they would pray for Milo and that they would help raise him and whatever. I'm wondering why we don't, why don't we do that for marriages? Isn't isn't that what a wedding is? No, no, no. I mean, after the fact, like, hey, you have to be invited to a wedding, right? But you go to church after your honeymoon or whatever and say, hey, Barry and Olivia got married last weekend. If you weren't at the wedding, we want to acknowledge them and like pray and support them. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I I mean, I know, (laughs) I know weddings. That's what you're, they do a version of that at weddings, but uh, you're as your church community where it's like, this is where you're going to be kind of your home away from home as your church community. We, uh, we commit to like helping you and, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we don't do the, that. My first, my first thought is, what a cool idea. I love it. My second thought is, oh, how exclusionary for single people. That would be such a devastating thing to constantly see. Yeah. Like marriages paraded in front of you. <laughs> so we'd, we'd have to find another way to, and maybe it's anytime someone commits to getting, oh, then it, then it turns into like every service we're spending like an hour <laughs> just dedicating <laughs> people. To. Yeah, I do that's love true. the idea in theory. Yeah. It's, it's really intriguing. Yeah. All right. Forget it. Uh, all right. So this is all, these are the four principles of godly marriage. And we talked about racing to the bottom. This is, and you, you, I loved how you ended it. You said, as a reminder, like all of this is a race to look more like Jesus. Mm. And when you put it that way, like all three weeks, Mm. all three weeks is that it's the, it's a race to look more like Jesus, whether you're caring for a aging parent or an adult child or, Mm -hmm. um, married to a spouse. Like that's, that's what this is. It's self-giving love and it's a race to look more like Jesus to the people that you are around and that encounter you. So I really, I really loved how that, that that's how you ended it. Thanks. Um, yeah. So where do we go next? All right. So this is going to be this coming weekend will be our final week in the series. We're going to talk about, um, when the bottom falls out, when you hit the wall, when, when the dream dies, I'm not sure what the official title is going to actually be or what it ended up getting in the system as, but, um, it's, it's basically just, yeah. When, when you hit the wall, when, when, when life does not go the way you expect and suddenly you find yourself in a crisis, in a time of pain, in a time of, uh, grief or loss or confusion or whatever Mm -hmm. hardship, what is our posture to be in those moments? And, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And you can pray for me because one of the challenges I have with this topic is that, I mean, compared to many of the people in our church, I have lived a charmed, 
existence where I have had very little hardship. Uh, now I've had some self-imposed hardship, like, like the, uh, hot ones challenge I just did yesterday. Did you hit the but wall, no. Mary? Did you hit the wall? Uh, I hit the wall. The bottom <laughs> fell out. <laughs> um, God. Like, I mean, self-imposed hardship, like traveling and being in, you know, isolated in other countries and having to deal with, but that's not the same as like life slapping you upside yeah. the head. So I, I'm, in the same way that I felt a little insecure preaching about marriage as a person who's only been married for three and a half years, I feel a little insecure preaching about hardship and a response to the brokenness of our lives when, when I've yet to really taste deep grief and all of that. So, um, I'm really going to be leaning on the wisdom of people around me, uh, who have experienced that, what Mm -hmm. I've learned from them. Um, and, and of course, trying to just really plumb the depths of, scripture and, and similar to, so anyway, pray for me. Um, but I think, I think what, what we'll end up talking about is, and is going to end up still provoking some good conversations. And, uh, it really will be more about a posture than about me, like bestowing my top tips for, you know, hardship survival. So that's good. All right. We'll look forward to that. Um, I will be full of camping stories next week. (laughs) <laughs> but until then, Marin, will you please send us out? I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.